going on, everyone? Welcome to Daft Picks Season 2, Episode 2. Today I am joined by my lovely cohorts. We have Parker, the producer. Hello. And of course, we have our friend in house today, and it's Adam. Hello again. All right, so we have a lot of news to talk about in the NHL. Uh, the free agency played out uh, pretty much like everybody expected, with the exception of the RFAs not really resigning or signing in general. Um, but before we get into any of that, we want to congratulate Roberto Luongo on a great career. Uh, he retires after close to 20 seasons, um, probably a future Hall of Famer. You know, uh, He's probably the best goalie in Florida Panthers history and maybe Canucks history. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I would definitely go as far as to say, without a doubt, best in Florida history. Uh, I think he has a, has a case, uh, depending on if uh, Lundqvist retires without a cup, I think that Luongo will probably go down as the best goalie to not win a Stanley Cup if it's not Hendrik Lundqvist. Because well, he still has time left, but but that being aside, Luongo's still third on, on the list for most wins in a career, and I think that one has to do with the longevity that he had, but the man is, is like a, an animal in that. I mean, in his prime, he was just phenomenal. I mean, like, it, it was just incredible to watch. And, well, as far as, like, Luongo just with Florida... People forget that he, that's where he basically got his start. You know, he played there for quite a few seasons before even going to Vancouver, and then he came back. It was still very good. There, I truly believe that if he wasn't hurt, if he didn't have that that hip injury, he could definitely keep playing. He played well enough last year to warrant being the starter on that team. And I do agree. I think he's going to go down as, if not the best goalie, because John Van Beesbrook was very good, but. He'll definitely go down to the top two for Florida. Definitely Vancouver, and obviously he's a Hall of Famer. And the, the number one should definitely be retired in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I, I'd say definitely the number one's going to be retired in Vancouver and Florida. So touching a little bit upon the frenzy we were uh, talking about at the top of the show, um, of course the big names that are still unsigned are Matt Kachuk, Mitch Marner, and, of course, Patrick Laine. Uh, I, I guess... The best way to go about this is kind of go around the room. Where do you think uh, they're going to end up? Do you think they're going to resign or sign somewhere else? Uh, Adam, we'll start with you, I guess, and go around. Um, I think with uh, Line A, is going to stay uh, in Winnipeg. I think that worst comes to worst, unless we get a, another offer sheet this year, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, Line is going to probably end up doing a bridge deal, I think. Uh, I think that... Tuchuk is going to stay put as well. Don't know. It's hard for me to tell with how much money they're going to get. But Marner, with the money that he's looking for, if he's going to get anything close to like what's rumored to be $12.5 million, I, I think that that's going to come via an offer sheet and Toronto's going to have to match. If he gets a deal straight up with Toronto, it's going to be closer to the season starting. And I, I think that he's going to, no matter what, Toronto's going to match unless they don't have the cap to match it, which they're really hard against it right now, but I think they'll find a way because they don't want to lose Mitch Marner. Even if it's for four firsts, I, like right now they can't lose him. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I don't see Kachuk or Line leaving either of their teams. Uh, Marner's obviously the stickiest situation because it's obvious Toronto wants to keep them, I mean to keep him, but they don't have the cap to keep him, at least not at the amount that he wants and his agent and his dad aren't buckling down from that 12.5 million uh, number which is a pretty big issue for Toronto even though they've been clearing out space and doing all these trades it's still 
Like, they not only have to think about trying to keep Marner, but also for the re-signings they have to do for next season, too. Oh, yeah, just think about, like, and we're going to talk about the trade later with Toronto picking up Barry. Colorado retained 50% of his salary, and Barry's going to want $8 million plus next year. So, like, if you're going to re-sign Marner, you got to think about, like, what's Toronto going to do on defense? Because they only have two or three guys that are NHL level right now that are not up for re-sign next season. So they're going to be... If you think their hands are tied now, wait until next year. Well, as far as the whole Marner situation goes, I think he is, um, quite honestly, he's obviously the hardest to predict. Uh, Darren Ferris, which is his agent, and Paul Marner, which is his father, really, like Parker alluded to, aren't really going off their position. Um, Darren Ferris has this sort of like predictable playbook in the past. He's done things where he said, oh, it's far apart and we're expecting an offer sheet, and then he'll say his client's going to the KHL. I don't think we're going to see a martyr to the KHL rumor started, but I'll put it this way. There was a thing with Darren Ferris where the new agency that acquired his basically had to tell him to calm down because he's that kind of <laughs> agent. As far as Kachuk, I think Kachuk's an easy resign. And Line A, honestly, I think it's going to be a sign-in trade, if not just a strip trade. I really think he could flourish in Todd Reardon's system in Washington. I mean, also, he's got the same build, same play type as Ovechkin. They've got the cap to play with a little bit. I could see them moving him out for some prospects, but Line A to me is not... I, I think Mitch Marner is going to be a Leaf longer than Line is going to be a Jet. Uh, the one thing I did hear floated out, and this was on the 31 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, was that they kind of floated the idea, well, what if with Mitch Marner they sort of bridged it so that he and Matthews ended at the same time, but they even said there's no way Kyle Dubas is going to allow those two deals to end at the same time because you get into an NBA situation where these Freydens get off their contracts at the same time and they just go play together somewhere else. It's going to start, and that's the new NHL, and that's what it's starting to shape up to, but Toronto picked a really bad time to have a big-name RFA at the market. So uh, Another big name that was signed, uh, Adam alluded to the offer sheet, uh, earlier, but Sebastian Ajo obviously getting an offer sheet from Montreal. Thanks, Montreal, for showing us how to not do an offer sheet. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Because I, mean, I, I appreciate what they did in trying to front load the contract, but still, the average per year was just, I mean, you could easily match that. Oh, yeah. That's not where I'm saying, like, it's a bad contract. The signing bonuses of this contract, because correct me if I'm wrong, just in signing bonuses, $21 million was, was going to be given the to with the first season to Sebastian Ajo. Well, that is insane because, like, those signing bonuses come straight from the owner. And, like, Montreal, they have that just to throw out. Like, obviously not all the time, but when they want a player, obviously they can do that. But in a – Carolina has traditionally been a team where, yeah, they'll throw signing bonuses, but $21 million is unheard of. The owner of, of Carolina is not really the type of – owner to just allow their GM to sign those contracts. They're like their owner in Carolina is a little bit more, I don't want to say stingy, but reluctant to give that much more money in signing bonuses. Rip I'm going to go and disagree with that because the owner in, uh, in Carolina is Tom Dundon, who, as you may know, was the owner who bought the, what was that new football league called? AAF. AAF. He bought it uh, just for fun. Yeah, but keep in mind, though, this is like hockey player contracts. If you look at the contracts of the other players, like the, the signing bonuses are nowhere near well, this. What Michelle Terry almost, or sorry, not Michelle Terry, what uh, Bergevin was trying to do in Montreal, you, you got to love them together sometimes. What Bergevin was trying to do in Montreal was he's trying to test Tom Dundon. He's trying to say, listen, 
he knows he's got the money. Carolina has the cap space, even internally. He's saying, listen, pony up. And I love the way he spun it at his press conference. Mark Bergevin spun it. He actually came out and said, Sebastian believed in what we were doing here in Montreal. He was the player we wanted. And he basically said, whatever happens, happens. But he left the door open to, hey, listen, he wanted to be here. So that puts Sebastian Ajo in a difficult position. And not to mention, Tom Dundee came out and straight up said, yeah, I don't really like what Sebastian Ajo's agent is doing. So you can see there's some playing against each other going on. And that's why you don't see a lot of offer sheets. Yeah, because wasn't this the first offer sheet in 13? seasons no i mean there was like a small one in 2012 with like dwight king from montreal and there was like one in 2007 with danny heatley okay 1507 but aside from that you don't really see them uh and like i said this is why because then you have agents players and their own team going against each other like now sebastian Ajo has to go back to carolina and have like nothing happened for five years which shouldn't be hard but still it's you know it's kind of winning a little bit i mean a, a similar situation happened like long ago like with joe sackick like everyone thought he was going to go to the new york rangers and colorado had to just like up and match it or else that was wrong i'm gonna call joe sackick out so joe sackick if you're listening to this podcast listen up so he said earlier when asked if he was going to offer shit anybody because he had 30 some million dollars of cap he said i don't really do offer sheets all right, Joe, you first of all signed an offer sheet as a player, so don't say you don't do offer sheets. That's the biggest cop-out I've ever seen. But keep in mind, he was a player then. It's it different. Matter. It's different when you're a player than when you're a GM. Because when you're a GM, you have to compensate for the picks that you, you have to give up if you sign it, and if you have the cap internally to do it, and then you have to think, like, five years down the road. So that's the whole offer sheet thing with Sebastian Ajo in a nutshell. The one thing I did want to touch on before we got too deep into the whole frenzy and all the trades that happened on the crazy July 1st is Adam at the top of the show alluded to Henrik Lundqvist might not win a cup. I don't know about that because... Potentially. I think that they're in a good spot now, but because he still could go. We're going to add that they just got Capocacco, they just got Jacob Truba, who is also an RFA, and they signed the big money man of the full frenzy. They got Artemi Panarin for $11 million. I mean, that's a great deal for him. It's a great deal for the team. It's a commitment to winning now, even though they don't need to. They they did so many things right. So I wouldn't worry too much about them. I, I would say it's not a winning now. I think it's a we're going to win before Lundqvist retires kind of thing, which could be like in the next three to four, I would say, because like they have the pieces. Lundqvist, when he's healthy, is still the goaltender that he's been his entire career. The man's shut out all the time. Like They have the pieces together that with the development of their prospects and this pickup with Panarin, I'd say you can really see the Rangers in for a cup in two to three years. Not necessarily this year. I think that they're going to sneak in possibly as a wild card team and, and possibly go from there, but I think an actual cup run is going to happen in two to three. You just got to remember, signing Pinner isn't really a win-now mood be- because he's still young enough to be able to build a team around him. So having him and uh, Capo Caco as the two building blocks really around this new uh, era yeah. of the Rangers is still, you know, it's not exactly for winning now. I mean, I really think what Jeff Gordon, uh, I think it's Jeff Gordon that their GM is now, I think he's done a great job sort of alerting the fans to, hey, we might not be great, but they really stocked the form. I think they even got that defenseman from Calgary, uh, Adam Fox, who's flown on the radar. He's a really good player, too. Well, considering that, like, just 
relatively recently in hockey talk, the Rangers basically told their fans, hey, we're in it for the long haul here. We're going through a rebuild. Stick with us. And they've completely, like, instead of taking two steps forward, I think they jumped about five blocks ahead. Because, like, with just Panarin, that's a giant leap forward just because you have the offensive ability. And then you get Kako because, yeah. Yeah, there it is. I thought I pronounced his name wrong. (laughs) But then you get him, and he's potentially going to be a Calder uh, finalist for this upcoming season. So, like, you have the building blocks to make a really, really good run in a couple years as opposed to what they thought of going to be the long haul of rebuild. And to go along with that, too, there are some people who genuinely believe that Capocaco was the best player in that draft. So you're talking about a 1A, 1B kind of guy there coming into your your franchise, and now he's got Artemi Panarin to play off of. They're going to be decent. Yeah, and they still have a few good players from the uh, old Rangers playoff team, like, uh, I was about to say Matt Zuccarello, but uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Kreider. Yeah, he's on the wild now. <laughs> Chris Kreider's one. I mean, they still have Lundqvist. It doesn't matter after that. You've got Lundqvist. It doesn't matter who else is around him. Not really. Um, and speaking of goalies, uh, the other big name that signed this offseason was Sergei Bobrovsky, which I think we talked about that a little bit, but he signed the deal with Florida, $10 million over, I think it was eight, seven, seven years, because yeah, Florida came out for the extra. That is a albatross contract if I've ever seen one. I think they're going to regret that in the future, but they're all in now, so... I I yeah, think they have to... Oh, it's kind of like a... I look, it's, it really looks like a Carey Price contract to me. At the time... He deserves all the money, but it's definitely going to come back to bite them near the tail end of it. I mean, when Carey Price got his extension, that was when he won the, those three trophies at the at the award ceremony. So it's like, deserved all that there. Not to mention, Carey Price is Carey Price. Like, sure, he's had down seasons where his numbers are about what everybody else is, but... Sergey Borovsky seems to have the Pecorine streak where he has one great year, one bad year, and he just keeps doing that. I don't know if that's the type of guy you you divulge that much money into, especially when you just drafted Spencer Knight. Well, I think that Florida is in a case where in the next three to four years, if they don't make a serious cup run, you're not going to see that team in Florida anymore. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, they went all in getting Joel Quinville, and they're like, well, we need a goalie now that Luongo's gone. Well... Are you going to start Malton Bull? Are you going to start Spencer Knight? No, they're not NHL starters yet. And, yeah, and you can't and keep James Reimer. And James Reimer, no. I remember him in Colorado. He really was. No, that was Jonathan Bernier. James Reimer. Uh, James Reimer, just like he's not the starting goalie like that you're going to go through an entire season with because he's streaky. You need a guy who's proven. Yeah, I think the $10 million contract is great if it was for four years or five years, but seven years for that, they're really going to hate themselves for signing that deal. Especially when Spencer Knight is ready to be NHL. What are you going to do when Bobrovsky still has two years, three years potentially on his contract? You're going to need to retain some cap if you're looking to trade him or buy him out. Good luck. Well, and I think the guy they should have gone for is the guy who went to Chicago, which we'll get to Chicago in a second, but uh, Robin Lehner, uh, I think he was the easy solution. Guys coming off one of the best seasons of his life, He's. You can make any argument for or against the guy. He is an NHL goalie. He's a top fifteen NHL goalie. You can, you can sub him into that into that team with Aaron Ekblad and all the defense that they have and all the good backchecking forwards like Alex Barkov, uh, and you you probably even won a championship that way. I don't. I, I'm not saying Bobrovsky's a bad goalie. I think that if you don't capitalize, which I don't think they're going to, 
It's gonna be a while, but Joe Quenville is again a whisperer, so we'll see. They also have a lot of good pieces on the team already with Barkov and uh, uh, Trocheck. Not to mention Dadanov, who's got 200 points in like 100 games. I uh-huh. think that Florida has all the pieces now to be successful. They just need to learn to win. Their entire franchise has been learning how to lose. Like I, I mean this in the best way possible. Have they ever? And like I believe they've made the playoffs three times since they've been a franchise, correct? Uh, something like that, yeah. Something like that. How many times have they made it by the first round? Mm. I don't think many, if any Twice? of them. Maybe. Yeah, Remember they the don't know how to win. Yager. They they don't know how to win. Right? They no. don't know how no. to finish. Beret. You're thinking of Beret. Oh. Uh, but so here's what it is. I love it that Florida's owner and GMs were like. We're here now. We're going to win now. And they got Quinville and they get Bobrovsky. I love those moves. I don't think Bobrovsky's a 10 mil player in all honesty, especially for a seven-year deal. But, hey, he earned the money for being what he is. He was basically the reason why the Blue Jackets swept the Lightning. Like, he was standing on his head all four games of that. all, all All four games of that series against... Hey, I was, the lightning. I was I was probably the only uh, lightning fan that was genuinely terrified for that Blue Jacket series because I knew what they were coming in. They they won like nine out of their last ten games. They had three shutouts in that span. They were playing playoff hockey. Already. Oh, just to just to like touch on the playoffs on why every single one seed lost is because like. I think the NHL is finally realizing it's not necessarily what you do in the regular season. It's just making playoffs. If you look at Colorado, if you look at, uh, if you look at Columbus, if you look at the Blues, the, even. The bl- yeah, even the Blues. Like who are the other two wild card teams? It was Carolina and Dallas. Dallas, I believe, was the other wild card because yeah, they played Nashville. Yeah, Colorado played Calgary and Dallas played Nashville in the first round, if I remember correctly. Um, Either way, all four wildcard teams were playing playoff hockey since March. If you look at Tampa, they coasted the second half of the season. Since February, they could have coasted and still made playoffs. They weren't really ready to upshift into playoff hockey mode. And that's why they got swept, because Columbus was there and ready, and they were playing playoff-style hockey for the past four weeks of the season. And that's why they got swept, and that's why Carolina won. That's why Colorado won. So, um, to sort of get off... Uh, track a little bit to double back to Chicago. They did have a big trade this uh, this past week too. They picked up um, and uh, they got rid of Henry Yokuru for Alex Nylander from Buffalo. There was a lot of thought at the time that Nylander was going to be uh, I wouldn't say a bust because he's still a young player, but they're giving up the better player. Like Yokuru has a lot of talent, and I don't understand why they so readily gave up on this guy. Yeah, that that deal was straight up, right? It was player for mm-hmm. player. Yep. I. I don't understand that, to be honest. Like, I, I see where they're coming from, but Chicago, they addressed some needs in offense, not necessarily for the now with getting their picks in place, but they need defense, and they gave up a great prospect for a forward who, in the granted, he could have been in the wrong system for his type of play. But a guy who's really underperformed to what he was projected to be, I don't necessarily understand it. Honestly, good one-for-one trade. They both address a need because Chicago still needs a winger uh, forward. (laughs) But it's like, I don't necessarily agree with it. 
Yeah, I don't really disagree either. I mean, it's... I've been following Yoko since his draft, and I thought he was going to be one of the best defensemen for Chicago. Not to mention they're a team that needs defense. I mean, they've got what's left of Duncan Keith, the ghost and of Brent Seabrook. <laughs> Their coach is the same age as Brent Seabrook. They I, played together in 2003. Yeah, so I I don't know if this is the move that helps them. But yeah, we were looking at Yoko as sort of the guy to step in after Duncan well, Keith. Well, Boquist retires. is there. So Boquist yeah, and Boquist, that was but. the name of the R guy. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Speaking of defensemen who can't find the right spot, I don't know how Jake Gardner hasn't signed a deal yet. You're talking about a guy who is a, without a doubt, positive for whatever team he plays for. You could look at the couple games under a microscope where he struggled, and of course they are game seven, so they get a little bit more curious, but this is a guy who's been successful his whole career. He's going to get paid somewhere, and the team that gets him is very lucky. So what do you think roughly he is going to end up getting paid? Well, he's not going to take a haircut. So I'd say between 6 and 6.5, maybe do a bridge deal four years. I think he does want to play in Toronto. And again, alluding back to that podcast I talked about earlier, they said this isn't likely what happens, but it'd be funny if it was. It could just be a little bit of let Marner sign first, and then we'll sign you once he's done. It's very possible. I, th- I really do think Jake Gardner, at the end of the day, ends up back with the Leafs and helps them, you know, win a championship. Well, with the with the cap place that the Maple Leafs are in right now, I, I can honestly believe if that's a standpoint, because like, if you are correct in saying that he's going to get six to six point five million dollars as a defenseman. You don't have that money, especially if you're trying to budget to even try to talk down Marner to like an $11 million contract. It's like they don't have the money. So it's like if Jake Gardner doesn't end up on the Leafs, I I would honestly believe like out of the teams that are out there right now, like just spewing out a couple teams that could potentially have the cap space that need a defenseman like him for this upcoming year, I could see Detroit. I could see Carolina. I could even see Colorado, depending on how they look at it, if Bone Byram is going to start NHL. If they decide not to, I could see them trying to get Jake Gardner. I could see Arizona trying to get him. I could see Arizona getting him. Um, I think a really interesting team that's not been mentioned uh, is Philadelphia. I think Philly is a team that could kind of... Listen, they're in this sort of... They they already have like a bunch of young defensemen that they've called up and they're using, and as well as the defensemen they've already had up. I don't even think that. I think the trade with getting Matt Niskanen on on the team, getting Matt Niskanen, because basically all said and done, I look at it this way, with the deal that they made with trading Gudis to Washington Washington in exchange for Niskanen, they... They retained half of his salary. So basically, you're getting Matt Niskanen for this season for $9 million. Like, if you think about it that way. I know that it's really not that way, but if you think about it with the retained cap and getting Matt Niskanen, you're basically in that trade paying $9 million this year for Matt Niskanen. And it's like, I don't think they're going to spend $6 million or $6.5 million to get Jake Gardner. And as somebody who's been spurned by Matt Niskanen before... I love Matt Niskanen. I think he was a great player in his prime. He has been, and I'm not saying this as a spiteful Penguins fan, I'm saying this as a truthful person, he has been on the decline this ever since the season he left the Penguins. And did his offense, his defense was never really that good. All he really had was his shot from the point, but in Barry Trotz's system, they don't really utilize that, and he struggled for four years. I think he's going to, his play style right now is going to excel in Philly. 
I think he's going to have an up, uptake. He's not going to be back to prime numbers like for his career, but you're going to see it bump up from his time in Washington. To, to sort of, I don't like to cut in with uh, Philadelphia news ever, but uh, did you guys see that Gritty got a hermit crab? <laughs> I really just wanted to put that out there. I just gritty is the meme of the NHL. Like, we need more gritties. Like, I'm just saying that 100% honesty. Like, I love Bernie the 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 polar bear. The, no, Bernie the dog oh, for the, the avalanche. Yeah. No, the uh, Bernie Mountain dog. I got it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Saint Bernard. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Bernie well, the dog for Colorado. Love that. Tuck's the penguin. It's like, but we need more gritties. <laughs> we need more gritties. Small, iceberg. Well, I, Tuck's is the Wilkes Bear penguin. I'm sorry. L- let me just let's, let's play a game, <laughs> shall we? Um, I'm going to ask you both the same question. What do you think the name of Gritty's Hermit Crab is? Go. Uh, it's a pun of one of the current Flyers players. Oh, God. Scrappy. Okay, it's not scrappy. Man, I'm good at making puns on this my own, Jeopardy. but I can't think you about it. Time. Okay. No. <laughs> so it's a pun on uh, our good, a good friend, uh, Claude Giroux, and it's uh, Claude. Oh, okay. So Gritty posted a photo with Claude saying, Good night, sweet friends. And I just thought everyone should know that because we need more Gritty news. I think Gritty should always be a, a, a prime contributor to our news day. Yes. Unfortunately, you just cannot allot that amount of time to Gritty news every single day. So it's good to take time out like we did with Luka Modric, which we have some news update to get to at the end of the show that is not hockey related. Um, Proud of you. Cutting back into the actual news, though, the, the big trade that happened so far... Uh, as Adam so fondly knows, is Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot and a pick go to Toronto for Nazim Kadri, Callie Rosen, and a pick. What do you think about this trade? All right, my 100% analysis of this trade. I actually really like this trade a lot. Uh, like, I follow a lot of fan pages for the Colorado Avalanche just because I'm a big fan, but like a lot of... I don't think they read too far into it. Like to, I love the Avalanche fan pages, but some of them really don't know what they're talking about. Like they looked at this trade and they're like, "Yeah, we're giving up 101 points for a guy who only had 45 points." I'm like, first of all, you can't look at a trade that way. We gave up a defenseman on the last year of his contract that we could not re-sign. Like with the contract that Barry is looking for, he was not going to fit in the system that we had with Bowen Byram, with Sam Gerrard, and with Kale McCarr coming up through the works. Barry, I loved what he did in Colorado. He holds the franchise record for goals and assists and points by a defenseman. That I love. But with the money that we needed to give him, I love that we traded him now as opposed to making a deal at the deadline and not getting as much for him. I like that we retained half of his salary and we addressed our biggest need, and that was secondary scoring. People look at Nazem Kadri and they say like, yeah, he only had 45 points this year. And I'm like, first of all, look at it from when he had those back-to-back 30-goal seasons. Who wasn't on that team yet? Uh, Matthews and Marner and Nylander, pretty sure. And Tavares. Uh, yeah, that, that was back when so JVR and Kessel were on the team, right? So yeah. in within the past four seasons, Nazem Kadri was never a number one center. He was a one-two center. Depending, he was the number one on the Bad Leafs. Like... Either way, this guy is a number one or number two center on a team. 
And he went from that number one, number two, scoring 30 goals a season to sitting third line behind Austin Matthews and John Tavares. Hmm, I wonder why his numbers went down. He wasn't playing on the power play anymore. He wasn't doing anything anymore besides sitting on the third line. Like, no wonder why his numbers are down. No, and he still put, puts up 45 no, yeah, points. The third line's the checking line. Yeah, he's not a checker. Yeah, and like Mike Babcock also deployed him a lot in the penalty kill, so a lot of his ice time did come on the PK. But... He is such a good, like, he evolved his game from just a offensive guy from the London Knights to a all-around two-way forward who's not afraid to hit. I mean, sure, he's got that red streak, you know, he, mm -hmm. he gets that, like, miss where he just goes after players if they do something wrong. Oh, yeah. But he's a guy you want on your team. I saw a lot of people saying that Toronto will miss Diego Cleanly. I do think Toronto comes out better for it, but... I think they come out better right now. But Kelly Rosen is a, is a great prospect, and I think he's going to add to an already loaded Avs blue line, which is just not fair. And Nazem Kadri immediately becomes the number two center there. I think if he doesn't hit 30, he'll top at around 25 goals, maybe 60 points. He's going to be tapping, and uh, you could put a cardboard cutout of Nazem Kadri, and he could tap in 30 goals from Nathan McKinnon on the power play. I wouldn't be yeah. concerned about his production. So keep in mind, because... Kadri is a better face-off man than anyone the Colorado Avalanche had last year or this year. I'm just flat out saying that. Kadri is a better face-off man than anyone on the team. Colorado had an issue of we had too many centers, so none of them got time to get hot on draws. Nathan McKinnon and Carl Soderberg were the only two guys who could reliably win a face-off for the Colorado Avalanche this year. And now we don't have Soderberg. And McKinnon still wasn't that good. So we have, I think, what is going to happen on the power play. You're going to see Nazem Kadri line up on center. You're going to see Landis Goggin Rantanen on the wings. And you're going to see on defense, you're going to see either Kale McCarr or Sam Gerrard lined up with Nathan McKinnon on the other defense. And you're going to have Nathan McKinnon sitting like the Ovechkin style on the left-hand face-off circle, just slapping it in. And I think that's what's going to happen. But going back to like the trade, we give a defenseman up for a prospect defenseman. We give a developing center for a second-line center. I really liked Alex Kerfoot, to be 100% honest. I'm a little bit more upset that we gave up Alex Kerfoot than Tyson Berry because I knew that the writing was on the wall, that we were going to get rid of Berry, especially with Kale McCarr and drafting Bowen Byram. Thanks, Chicago, for not drafting him. But, <laughs> like, it... It was a matter of time that Barry was going to be traded, and I jokingly said this around trade deadline to my my father, and he could testify to it, that I'm like, you know, if we ever traded Tyson Barry, I think we're going to get Nazem Kadri, and I said it kind of as a joke. I said this all the way back in, like, February, March, and I didn't think I was going to be right. <laughs> I mean, he he comes in there, he gets to play with McKinnon, Landis Cog, right, and then... It, it, it's it's a win-win situation, and like I said, Toronto's going to be good too. Yeah. Speaking of Rantanen, the last couple RFAs that we had to talk about today, uh, just in no particular order: Miko Rantanen, uh, Brock Besser, Brandon Point, and the one that we just saw locked down last night, which was Jordan Bennington getting uh, two years at four point four. A nice little bridge deal. They sort of copy and paste to what Matt Murray got after he won the cups. Sort of a show me and try to figure out what his next deal is going to be. I love the deal for Bennington. But um, Besser's a bit of an interesting one. I think he gets probably close to seven. He's a great player. Vancouver needs to lock him up. There's a lot of thought that Rantanen's going to get between nine and ten. Uh, I think that's fair, right? I, I would say it's fair. I went into the offseason kind of thinking that Rantanen was going to get around seven to eight. But the more that I think about it with just how this free agency is, I know that that's way too low for Rantanen with the numbers that he put up. But... I was looking more at it from a Landis Cogs getting paid 5.9, McKinnon's getting paid 6 million, and it's like, 
Rantanen's just in the fortunate hands of he's signing at a good time. McKinnon signed that deal when he really was underperforming compared to what we thought he was going to do. Landeskog signed that contract when he was kind of playing well, but on a really bad team. So it's like, yeah, as much as it's weird to say that Miko Rantanen is going to be the highest paid player on the Colorado Avalanche when you're sitting there with a guy who, in my honest opinion, the past two years has been a heart nominee, at least worthy of being nominated. Like, the fact that this guy is probably going to end up getting paid $3.5 to $4 million more than Nathan McKinnon is a little weird, but they signed at different times. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say what exactly he's going to get. I think he will become the highest paid avalanche, but ultimately what it comes down to is what he's comfortable taking, and I think that's going to be close to a seven or eight year deal. It's going to be, it'll be a good deal for the team regardless. That's the important thing. Joe Sackick has flat out said it's not a question of like, they're re-signing him no matter what, Joe Sackick has flat out said. They're re-signing him. It's just a, a fact that Sackick wants it to be a seven-year deal, and if they can't come to terms on a number, they probably are going to do a more uh, heavy amount for a bridge deal if need be. He's flat out said that he wants to lock him up for seven years or eight years because RFA is consigned to their team for eight. So, um, But he, he wants it to be long-term. But if it's too much money, I think you're going to see a three- to four-year contract for Rantanen. It's possible. Um, one more big fridge in that we don't really have numbers and or stats on is Nikita Gusev from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, of course, it's no secret that Gusev is looking for around four to five million. The guy who's come over from the KHL was uh, among the top scorers on his team and in the league, a team that included Pavel Datsuk. Uh, it doesn't sound like Vegas wants to pay him. He's probably going to get traded somewhere. Nikita Gusev to me, and we're going to get into the Calder later on as well, but Nikita Gusev strikes me as a guy who's going to get paid somewhere where it's, it's not going to be fair that they get him. I think a team like Colorado, for example, could make a move on him. I think they have the assets to flip to Vegas and pick up Gusev, which I think that's a really interesting dynamic, but uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the topic, but Gusev is really the big key that's left, honestly. I mean, I if... For instance, if Colorado or a team like Colorado were to move at, after him, with the signings that Colorado has made, that would make Colorado really dangerous. But another team like, do you think that with the moves that they've made this offseason, do you think that Detroit can have a hand in trying to get him? Uh, I don't think Detroit's in a win-now mode. And the Gusev's not, like, super young. So, I, don't, mm -hmm. I mean, he's like 24, I think. But I think he wants to go to a team that's going to win now. Um, I don't see Detroit being a bitter on him. We'll see. It's tough to say. But, uh, so basically, any team that has made enough moves to be a playoff contender is probably going to try to get a crack at him. I don't think Colorado will go after him because if he's getting paid that much, I don't think we're going to stick him on the third line. I don't think we're – we have the assets to get him in Colorado. But I don't think with the team that we have now, with the moves that we've already made, I think that we would have picked him up earlier. It's It's – Nobody really knows where he's going to go. I mean, he could always re-sign Vegas, too. Um, and he's a guy that could win the Calder, which let's get into some of the awards now since we kind of don't, really don't have much news to talk about as far as something concrete. So we're going to start talking about next season. Uh, we're going to go roundtable style for everything, so keep that in mind. And we're going to start with the Calder, and we'll start with Adam. Who do you think is going to win the Calder? All right, I don't necessarily – it's so hard to tell for the, the Calder. I think that my three nominees, at least, Okay, that's fine. I have – Kale McCarr, just because of the experience that he had in the playoffs, really helps him trying to jump into a regular season mentality and 
he really stunned in playoffs. I think that alone should put him at the top of people's way too early Calder predictions. But it's kind of going to be hard for him to go after my other two nominees of Kako and Hughes, Jack Hughes, not Quinnen. <laughs> I think that Jack Hughes uh, is going to have a fantastic season for the Devils, even if he doesn't, because I like we talked before we started recording that he might not start the first 10 games because of a size issue. I think that he'll start game one, but even if he doesn't, the kid's going to have like 70 games to play with. Like with everything that they say he is, if he even is a hot, like half of that starting NHL, he's going to make a good run. But Kako has the, I think the most offensive ability right out of the gate for NHL, but the experience that he had in his development playing against men where Jack Hughes was playing against boys. I, I think that's where Kako has the advantage over Hughes. It's the determining factor of can Hughes shift that to play NHL right now? Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of it could uh, go into who their line mates are going to be. Well, that's any time though, yeah. Yeah, because like when, uh, uh, when Panarin won the Calder, he was on the same line as uh, Kane for yeah. most of that season. So like with Hughes, if he's on the same line as Taylor Hall, I mean, he's going to put up a lot of points. But then with Kako, he could be on the same line as... Uh, Panarin. Panarin. So it's like that's that's an interesting line. Panarin and, and Kako. So your your three nominees are Kako, Hughes, and who else? And I'll probably go with the other Hughes, Quinn Hughes. Okay. I mean, that would be quite the award ceremony. <laughs> yeah, I think would that be our first where two brothers are in the same we're thing? S- we're the Sedines. I think the Sedines. Also the Stalls. But I don't know if they're the exact same year, so I, I don't remember. So, um, for me personally, I think it's going to be Capacaco as a nominee. I'm a big believer in Philippe Zadina from Detroit. And the one I think that's going to steal the show totally is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, I really think that he's the guy that's going to put up the most points. It's going to be hard to not put up, like, at least 50 points to Connor McDavid. And that's who he's going to play that, with. That's fair. So <laughs> That's very fair. Yeah, and Yamamoto is a really good prospect in his own right. Right. So, <laughs> so. We're not going to go through every single award. We're going to go through the main ones that we can currently predict, which uh, we'll go with the Vesna next. So, take it. Um, mm, that's a tough one. I think. I think that depending on the season, obviously, if he can stay healthy, I can honestly see. And this might seem like a shock. Semyon Varlamov for the Islanders. I think he's gonna. I think if he can stay healthy in the Islanders system of defense first, he's going to have the highest numbers of his entire career. Do I think it's I'm a stretch? Absolutely. Right <laughs> I think it's a 100% stretch, but Varlamov is a former Vesna candidate. I think he could be nominated for it. I don't know if he'll win, but I think that's my outlander pick. Okay, uh, the other two that I think that I'll are going to be... Because Varlamov used to be. Used to be. Keyword. Used to be. It's not used to be. It's fantastic. when he's healthy. When he's healthy. Yeah, but when has he been healthy? Uh, the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> there you go. Then he tears his groin, and then he's out. It's like... Martin uh, Broder's got a better chance of winning the Vesna this year than Varlamov does. Yikes. But, but that's my outlander pick. Uh, I think my other two candidates that I got... Uh, I think with the defensive system, he's really going to shine all year. Stays healthy, he's going to be great. He's going to lead Florida to a playoff berth, and it's going to be Bobrovsky. 
And I think that you're going to see... I think that you will see Bishop as the other Vezina candidate. All right, Parker, how about you? Uh, yeah, so my, my Vezina winner is probably going to be Ben Bishop. I think he was robbed of it this year. The thing that was going against him was the games played, but like he had the goals against average, the save percentage. He had almost everything else. And I think that getting this full season, he will get it uh, this season. Finally, he's been long overdue for it. But uh, outside of him, I could see, uh, obviously, uh, Vasilevsky's probably going to get nominated for it just because it's Tampa. Okay. And the other ones, um, I could see, I could honestly see Marc-Andre Fleury getting it. Okay. I mean, getting a nomination for it. See, I was thinking that too. My picks are going to be a little bit less uh, straight Out narrow. there. Yeah, so <laughs> I think Vasilevsky is, a, is at least a lot to be a nominee. Uh, he's great when he's healthy. He's playing behind Tampa. I think another guy who, if he, I wouldn't even say returns the form, just stays healthy, is Matt Murray. This is a guy we've seen that can be capable of being the best goal in the league. He was it two years ago. So let's see if he can get back to that. But my actual pick is somebody that I really hate, the team he plays for, that's Carter Hart. I think people are sleeping on Carter Hart. He had the, one of the best rookie campaigns a goalie's ever had. Just didn't get the votes. I think it's simply because of where he plays. I mean, and Carter Hart's going to have a much improved team now. He's got... Well, keep in mind, he didn't even play the full season. He came up in January. Yeah. I, I think uh, he really got... He's one of the stories that unfortunately got left behind because of Bennington. So He I, basically did the same thing Bennington, Bennington did, except no cup. And he got hurt, yeah. which I think if Carter Hart stays healthy. I'm really excited for the Penguins Flyers. That's all I'm going to say. The last award... And maybe the most exciting we're going to get to is, of course, the Lady Big. No, we're going to talk about... <laughs> Rocket, Richard, Rocket Richard, baby. Let's go. We'll talk about... We'll, we'll, the let's heart? Come, we'll, do, we'll go the heart and the Rocket Richard. So oh, give God. me... I just want your two... Who do you think is going to win it? So Rocket and your heart, go. Uh, Rocket Richard. Um, McDavid. And... And then heart... I think McKinnon's finally going to win it. Oh, I thought you were going to say McDavid again. No, no, no. Be like, all right. No, I think the Macs are going to take it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Rocket, Ovechkin. Uh, actually, yeah, Ovechkin. And I almost said Stamkos. Uh, for uh, other ones, McDavid, obviously. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit out of the box here. I'm going to say <laughs> Stop heart. Right Don't now. say Phil Kessel. The please. heart. I'm going to say the heart. Sidney Crosby. It's never better, better than Sid. He's going to be nominated all the time. Fire up the train. I'm all aboard. Capilcaco's going to win the rocket. N not rookie year. Mm. Yeah, tell me that in two years, I'll believe you. Tell me that this year, Dude, no. Not even Line A got the rocket his first year. Listen. He so, was close, but he didn't get it. Kako's supposed to be better than Line A. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, he's projected to be better. So oh. the last thing I wanted to go around uh, around table cell and do is, if you're an early <laughs> listener and you remember back to the hash marks the spot days of the podcast, Ooh. I had a very hot take about Florida. While you were banging were, the table in the background. Yes. The, the, I was I, I was so adamant that Florida two years ago, or not sorry, a year ago, was going to be so good that they would have 60-plus wins and kind of do a table Why? this season. I was, don't know. He was wrong. I also predicted that Mike Hoffman would win the, uh, the heart, too. So. But oh, I forgot there were some spicy picks that I, day. I, were, I forgot Hoffman was on the panel. So we're going to go around. Uh, I want your way-too-early Stanley Cup winner predictions and how many points in the regular season they're going to get i am 100% going to tell you right now it's going to be one of two teams winning the uh stanley cup from the central 
whoever wins the two three seed matchup is going to win the Stanley Cup. That's how specific I'm going to be. All right, I'm thinking so we got a team. It's, like it's going to be one of three teams. It's going to be Nashville, Colorado, or Dallas. Whoever wins the matchup in the Central 2-3 matchup is going to win the Stanley Cup. And who's your highest scoring regular season team? Highest scoring regular season team I think is going to be Tampa again. And they're they're going to have 60 wins and then they're going to lose the first round again. Sorry, Parker. <laughs> no, I think they're I think they're finally going to make the cup this year, but I don't know about win it. All right, so Hi, this is the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to lose a Game 7 <laughs> to the Capitals, which should fire us up to win the Stanley Cup next season. And then next season, oh, let's get swept in the first round. No, I think Tampa's going to win it this year. And if, and if they don't, I'm probably just going to quit hockey. I don't know. I just, I, I just don't see how. I just don't see how they can't. There are just too many good players. The Iser plan worked too well. Okay. It's... Literally worked too well. They're so, you guys coast to playoffs. They're so good that they just like stop trying hard. And do you have a poor prediction? I'm gonna miss this. Did you predict the? Uh, oh, I didn't even predict like points. All right, I, <laughs> this might shock you. Mine are gonna be a little bit out there. Wow. So he's bet he's gonna say Arizona. Calling it. So <laughs> I think Phil the Thrill Clyde Kessel. I'm he's gonna, gonna be, say Buffalo. I think Florida is a very good team again. They have Mike Hoffman. They have Sergey Morowski. You say Mike Hoffman as the first player? Are you kidding if me? If he says Florida, Barkov, again, I'm leaving. Ekblad, and I really do think the Florida's going to be the highest scoring really team with 68 wins. How many times Bye. do we need to teach you this lesson, old man? Listen, hear me out. They're going to have more points. They're not even the best team in their state. They're going to have more points in regular season than they have season ticket holders. So Fair. And the Stanley Cup prediction... The Edmonton Connor McDavid's. That is my prediction. Because Connor McDavid and Kyler Yamamoto are going to have back to back 50 goal seasons. And Leandre Siddle as well. Not the back to back, sorry. They're going to have all three of them going to have 50 goals. I just want to say that if Ovechkin doesn't win the Rocket Richard, I could see either Steven Sam, Coach Lee, and Dreisaitl getting it, just saying. So, as far as hockey goes, that's about all the news we have. But we do have a couple more things to get into today. Um, Obviously, right now going on is the, uh, the Women's World Cup, as well as the World Cup qualifiers for men's. We're going to skip the latter because the U.S. men's team just is not they, very good. They, they are not They They lost good. to Mexico. They're not very good. Uh, so, and last season, or last year they qualified, it was they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, the women's national team, first of all, we want to uh, take a second to congratulate the USA women's national team as they just steamrolled uh, Megan Rapino. Let me, let me just... Uh, interrupt you for a minute. Okay. I want to congratulate the women's hockey and soccer like teams respectively of being the only sports teams to consistently win gold medals. Thank yes. you. <laughs> it is nice. Um, on the backs of Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Tobin Heath, as well as uh, Lavelle, they cruised home to another World Cup. It, it's just incredible watching that team play because they did not trail at all this world cup see it's That's unheard of it's so interesting because like the u.s women's soccer team for the world the women's world cup since the women's world cup has been established has four titles everyone else combined has four yeah that's yes. not fair women's soccer in the united states is alive and well and is the best out there and meanwhile the men don't even know what the heck the difference between their cleat and the ball is 
Um, Sorry to call you all, all guys out, but learn to win. <laughs> now, I know you guys aren't real big on, on soccer in general, or, or you're learning, but uh, did you have like a tournament MVP that you thought? I mean, obviously they give the golden boot out, but did you have a tournament MVP in particular or not? Rapino, yeah, honestly, I think they got it right with Rapino. I honestly think Alyssa there, the goalkeeper for USA, was really good. She's phenomenal. She, uh, she might be one of the best goalies to play, at least for the, the women's teams as well. I mean, it's it, she was great. Uh, and a little bit of uh, more women's World Cup news is I, I don't remember her name, but there was a goalkeeper for Arsenal's um, ladies team that got released, and she's like. Uh, supposed to be one of the best goalies in the world, period, like, without anything attached to it. Like, she's that good. She just doesn't have a team. So, I wonder where she's going to sign. We don't really do soccer for NC here. I'd love to get into the Aiden Hazard and Antoine Griezmann signings, but we're not going to. Chris is the only guy who knows soccer. Yeah, out I'm of pretty the, out of the it's three been of us. a great year. I play, I play FIFA, that's about it. Yeah, I just follow the Croatian national team. <laughs> Proud of you. So, and I'm probably the only person in this room that could point at Croatia on a map. So, Daft Picks is uh, proud to announce that our pick for the uh, next World Cup is Croatia. Uh, we're going to get behind Luka Modric and company. And what, I didn't know that that was a decision we made, but I'll go with it. <laughs> it was a decision that Parker and I made, so it's a decision for you as well. Fair enough. Uh, I think this could be Luka Modric's last run at it. Oh, yeah, it's he's, crazy. You know, he's getting up there. Uh, he's going to be playing behind a stacked Real team, so he's not going to have much wear and tear, but this could be his last real run. I'd love to see him win it. Not to mention, Team Croatia is just so much fun. Um, Daniel Subasic is my boy as well. So, Who did Croatia lose to the last time around? Uh, was was it, I forget if it was France or England. It was, Fra uh, this World Cup was France. The World Cup previous uh, got spanked by Brazil pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, I know last World Cup was the first one that I actually actively sat and watched. So I don't know about anything that, that, besides last year. That was the World year. Cup where the U.S. men's team was not a dumpster fire because they had uh, Tim, Tim Howard. Howard. Yeah, and, uh, that's it. That's and, it. No, no. They that was their the, team. It was Tim Howard. Yeah, I know it was that. Tim Howard, and it was that one uh, striker guy. I, I forget Clint his name. Dempsey? Yes. He, he, he was not existent that, that series. He had a couple goals, but that team only made it because of Tim Howard. He has the record for he, most saves. Yeah, he had like 15 saves uh -huh. against Belgium, and... Like, the only reason why Belgium won is because they literally have probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Belgium? Yeah. Right? Is, isn't that the, isn't he the goalkeeper that's well, ridiculously good? Well, I'm interested in Parker's opinion. Who is the best goalkeeper in the world? I don't Parker? know his name, but are, I, I are know the national Are you thinking about uh, Thibaut Courtois? Is that his name? You're, the goalkeeper you should be thinking of is David De Gea, because he's the best goalkeeper in the only place No. He's from the, Spain. the guy from no, not from no. He's big. He's brave. He's Spanish, Dave. He's, I, I think he's overhyped. Do you? Okay. You didn't know. You're gonna argue with was. the only guy who knows soccer in this room uh, that David De Gea is not the best goalie. You can actually hear the, the small viewership numbers that we that we already have dropping into the Earth's crust because we're talking about soccer. But, Proud. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about women's curling next. Back to the main point. Uh, congratulations Wait, is that a thing? to the USA. No, I'm just going to continue to talk over them. Uh, but I think that's basically all the news we have. We're going to try to get a few more shows out in the summer. And uh, Oh, I got a question for oh you. Boy. A hot topic question. What team is the biggest disappointment of the 2019 oh, 2020 season? So is this for just hockey or? Just hockey. Okay. So I'll, I'll lead us off. I think 
The Pittsburgh Penguins. Ooh, do you think they're finally going to miss playoffs? Yes. Ooh. I think this is the year we miss playoffs. I think this is the year Rutherford gets fired. And I think this is the year that I pull my hair out. So do you really think that the soon-to-be Hall of Fame inductee Rutherford is going to be fired this season? You know, I like to put it this way. Just because you did something great once doesn't make you great. He did it twice. Did he? He kind of did. I think Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Matt Murray, Phil Kessel, and Crystal Tang did it for him. He still had the team together. <laughs> Regardless, I think that's my hot take. All right. Biggest disappointment. Uh, I think they're going to be plagued with injuries, and that's why, because they're one of the oldest teams, if not the oldest team right now. I honestly think, and I know I said that they're a contender, I think that the Dallas Stars are going to be the biggest disappointment this year out of anyone. I don't, I don't know if I would see them as a disappointment because not a lot of people are really expecting that much out of them, to be honest. What, like, with the Dallas Stars? Yeah, they're like I, I view well, them as they just a picked wild up, card They team. picked up Corey Perry, they picked up Pavelski, and they re-upped a lot of guys. So it's win now, and they are a veteran team. So it's like, if they don't make it far in the playoffs, it's a disappointment. Surprise third option. The NHLPA, because we're probably going to go into another lockout. So that's gonna Let's be go. Oh, great. Let's waste another prime in the years of the Tampa Bay Corps. There was a really interesting thing that was put out last year, right before Tavares signed, and or, or Kyle Dubas said, LOL, which was, they said, hey, uh, GMs, don't front-load contracts with signing bonus, because then it's going to hurt us for the, uh, the CBA. And then Kyle Dubas went out and gave John Tavares a front-loaded signing bonus. Sebastian Ajo? You know, it's in the, you have the GMs that they don't really do that listening thing very well. At least the ones that get the big contracts don't listen. Uh, that is very true. So I think that's basically it for the news today. Anything else? Uh... Well, Parker never gave his biggest disappointment. I, I can't think of one. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know. I just feel like they're they they had that they had that year where they were very good, and then everyone thought they'd go be a Stanley Cup contender after that. But right now, I don't know. I'm just not feeling Winnipeg anymore. All right. Well, I think that's basically our show for today. Uh, We're going to try to be back, like I said, a few more times um, while it's nice out. And then going into the fall, we're going to have some uh, football talk as well as some postseason baseball. I know Parker is excited for that because the Rays are not trash for once. So with that said, we are out for today. But uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next time.